Welcome to the sequel cast. I'm your host, Uncle Milkshake. The sequel cast is a weekly uh, show that talks about movies in a franchise, one movie at a time. We're uh, looking at different Indiana Jones stuff on the show lately, and uh, this movie, we're, this uh, show, we're covering the last uh, film so far in the Indiana Jones series, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, with me is Thrasher. Hello, everybody. BJ. Yo. And a uh, special guest, Mitch Halleck from the IndieCast and the Raider.net. Hello, everybody out there in Radio Land or Podcast Glad to Land. So, nice to be here. To prepare for this uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, we'll talk about this in a moment, but I actually went on the Raider.net and looked Uh-oh. at the draft of the Frank Darabont uh, script, Indiana Jones and the... the City of the Gods. Yes, sir. And it's a, it's really interesting because some scenes are exactly the same as what ended up in Crystal Skull. And you got characters yeah. that are very similar, just like alternate versions. It's such a weird uh, experience reading the script. And I'm not, I'm not sure it's so much better than Crystal Skull, but it's definitely different. Do you have any quick thoughts on that? Well, actually, I, I had a chance to interview Frank Darabont last year at the New York Comic Con because his history with Indiana Jones goes back a long time. He was originally one of the writers on the Young Indiana Jones series okay. back in the early 90s before he became you know, directing Shawshank Redemption and all that stuff. So he was quite familiar with the character, and he really loved the character as it was portrayed in Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade. So his draft... And you got to remember the idea of Indiana Jones meeting aliens, or as they came to be known, interdimensional beings, was around for a long time and got put on the back burner because Spielberg didn't want to do an alien movie, Ford didn't want to do aliens, and then when Independence Day came out, they all agreed that there was their whole idea that they had for an, you know aliens in Area 51, so they had to change it around. So when Darabont came on board... He took all the ideas that were around for years and threw in Crystal Skulls and came up with that script that you read, The City of the Gods. It was approved by Spielberg. It was approved by Mr. Ford. But ultimately, George Lucas is the one that vetoed the whole script. And when I saw him in New York off mic, I asked him real quick about it because I didn't want to bring it up to him as he was promoting The Walking Dead and say, hey, can you tell me about that job you got fired off of? Because no one wants (laughs) to talk about that. And uh, he just kind of brushed it off, you know. He, he didn't get in much detail because, again, this is Hollywood and people have relationships and they need to work so they don't want to, you know, discourage anybody. But he was at one time, people thought he'd get a screen credit because so much of his ideas did appear in the final screenplay. Yeah. But that went out the window. And then there was even talk when it came out that there was going to be a lawsuit. But, again, that never happened. And then and miraculously, the Tomb of the Gods script appeared on the Internet after... Crystal Skull debuted because so many fans were upset about it, and then lo and behold, uh, I've heard rumor mill is the fellow that's involved with WikiLeaks was somehow involved with this script getting out there and allowing fans to find out about this years ago. Hmm. So there's a lot of background story about what happened, what went wrong, why they didn't ultimately go with his story. Uh, you know, Indiana Jones' dad appears in the Darabont script. Um, he doesn't appear in the final one by David Kep. Uh, Marion and Indy's relationship's a little bit different than appeared in the final film that we all saw. I mean, also so a big right. difference is uh, Mutt Williams. Like, Indiana Jones doesn't yeah. have a son in the script, and also the main no. villain is not a uh, a psychic Russian woman. It's right. You have a lot of bad guys. You have, uh, you have uh, neo-Nazis, uh, Russians, and uh, Peruvian yeah. dictators all chasing Indiana Jones. Yeah, and you have Indy working for Marion, too, so the relationship is switched around a bit in there yeah. as well. So, I mean, like you said, a lot of the stuff's in there that's in the final movie. A lot of stuff isn't. It's not, it's not far superior. I'm not going to say it's, like, you know, miles above what we saw. A lot of it is similar. 
But, you, you know, to, to answer your question, it's hard to tell what exactly goes on behind mm-hmm. the scenes at movies. Who who ticks somebody off? Who looks at somebody the wrong way? And who wasn't feeling up to it that day? And next thing you know, there's a whole rewrite. Yeah. So I mean, one thing on the, the uh, long documentary on Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull uh, on the DVD and the Blu-ray, they sort of mentioned that in uh, another later script, uh, Indiana Jones had a daughter instead of a son. Yeah. And I thought that might have been yeah. a little bit more interesting. And then Spielberg nixed that. that one because if Lost World, the um, Jeff Goldblum character, has a 14-year-old adopted daughter who's doing all types of like karate kicks and stuff. Remember when they were trying <laughs> to escape from the... So that's where that... I, I like the idea of a daughter, too, because that ties back into the young Indiana Jones TV series where the old Indiana Jones has a daughter and has a grandson named Spike. Oh. So that would have actually fit along with continuity, but... They've exercised all traces of old Indiana Jones, so that whole relationship with him having a daughter and a grandson is now removed from the current DVD releases of Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. You have to go back to the early 90s and find VHS tapes Hmm. that people made themselves. There was that character. There was a daughter, but all that got, you know, taken out of the uh, Darabont script. I mean, the, um, the whole idea of having a daughter got nixed by Spielberg, I meant to say. It'll all get bad, so. added back when they add some new DVD release, just like they did with Star Wars, where you got the current special edition and then the original version in like really crappy quality on a second DVD. <laughs> when they re-released the Star Wars trilogy like that, it didn't sell as well as as they they thought it would. I mean, um, although it still sold okay because it's Star Wars, but I've seen that version of the Star Wars DVD where it's the uh, special edition and the original one on the same DVD in the clearance rack at a yeah. lot of grocery stores around town. So. But back to Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of Crystal Skull. Uh, for me, with uh, I'm in my uh, late late twenties. I'm 29 years old as of this recording. Uh, this is the only movie I've seen in a theater. Only Indiana Jones movie, I should say. So I, I just had a big thrill about that. You know, I never thought a uh, a fourth Indiana Jones movie would come out. Watching Last Crusade just because of how it ends with them literally riding off into the sunset. And uh, right. I was just excited to see an Indiana Jones movie on the on the big screen. Um, BJ, what was your experience? Uh, I I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Like same thing with you, as you, um, where I'd never seen another one in this in a movie theater before. And I, I got the same feeling almost as when I went and saw Star Wars when they released it. Hmm. It's like, oh wow! I never thought I'd see this in the theater. And then you, you get like this. You, you kind of get to be a little bit of, kid, of a kid again. Uh, Thrasher. All right. Uh, now that I'm sure that everyone in this podcast is arrayed against me, uh, I I have not seen this film, and I will not see this film. Not wow. just because, <laughs> not just because I'm a jackass, uh, but because uh, since since the since uh, since around 2000. I've seen a lot of things that I liked as kids brought back. And frankly, I haven't enjoyed any of it. I've been burned. What's the far- one thing that you saw, you know, where they, something liked as a kid where they brought it back that it turned you off that basically made you say, or oh, screw this, I'm not going to see any uh, sequel or, or I, reboot? I'm going to go down a list. When, uh, a uh, list? Both, both times <laughs> He Man was revived. Uh, let me see the Thundercats when they were brought back in that new hip comic. Anything that's happened with the Transformers whatsoever, uh, whether it's comics, video games, the new movies, what have you. I even feel kind of bad about the new the new Star Wars trilogy. As much as I really want to like it, as much as I appreciate all the work that went into it, I just I I. I haven't. I, I'd never walked out of the theater thinking, "Boy, I'm glad I watched that." And <laughs> I kind of decided before this movie came out, I kind of decided that this is it. I am not going to spend any more money on things from my childhood that are being brought back. Now that being said, I respect George Lucas and Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg enough that I will not pirate this movie. But I'm not going to see it either. Because I just, I have a feeling that I'm going to be burned just like I was burned on the new Star Wars trilogy and just like I've been burned by so many things. You know, they're, they're, not, they're not bringing back things I liked as a kid that maybe I can enjoy with new eyes. 
they're rehashing things I liked as a kid and hoping that I haven't grown up. And unfortunately for Hollywood, I have grown up. I am 30 years old. I have a mind that is much more sophisticated than it was when I was a kid. If you talk, if, if you make, if you make something that plays down to me, uh, I will not respond well to it. And I don't want Indiana Jones ended on such a high note with, for me with last crusade, I don't want to see Crystal Skull and have it turn into a sour note. Okay. I would rather have it end on a high point. Uh, fair enough. Okay. Um, <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, on the uh, DVD and Blu-ray, you got the documentary, and it seems like Spielberg seemed fairly reluctant to direct this movie. Um, just because he'd been doing more sort of serious historical stuff, or he's been doing sort of more personal stuff, I guess, uh, since from the last time he did uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And uh, and yet, you know, I, I think some of the opening stuff in this movie is some of the best stuff in here, in that you don't see Indiana Jones, you know, in the middle of an adventure punching people. You see him getting thrown out of a uh, the trunk of a car, by Russians with guns pointing to his head, but you see his silhouette, and then he puts on the hat. I just think that's a wonderful, wonderful moment. You know, it's been said that Indy is the only character that you can really look at him and tell him by his silhouette. Hmm. And it's him so and Mickey iconic. Mouse. Or Alfred Hitchcock, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, well, you know, going back to what you guys said about um, reluctancy, Spielberg's reluctancy to do this film... As an Indiana Jones fan, I have to admit, I never thought I'd see the day they would actually come to fruition and this movie would be back on the silver screen. I pretty much agree with, like Thrasher said, when they wrote off in the sunset in 89, I thought it was over. And uh, you'd always hear these rumors for years. They'd always have interviews with Spielberg and Harrison Ford and, you know, would you come back? Would you come back? Yes, yes, if we got a script we can all agree upon. And like I said, there was a really reluctancy on Spielberg to you know try to capture lightning in a bottle again because he didn't agree with George Lucas's idea of aliens, you know. And uh, he w- he was going kicking and screaming actually into this movie from what I've heard. And actually, I, I could tell you a little bit more because unlike the other Indiana Jones films, uh, where I grew up, where we were talking last time I grew up and I saw all these movies in New Haven where uh, I'm born and raised. This one was a little different when I picked up the newspaper in April 2007 and read that, oh, yes, there was going to be an Indiana Jones movie, and they were going to film it in New Haven, mm. and there was going to be a casting call. So talk about a whole surreal experience. About Imagine going to the movies all your life as a kid, and then you find out that the, one of the movies that you liked so much is actually coming back and filming in the same neighborhood that you grew up as as a kid. So this was really bizarre to go downtown and see... Harrison Ford, Steven Spielberg, and George Lucas walking around the same streets I'd walked through a million times in my life and then try to be an extra in the movie so I could go home and have the DVD on my shelf and point to it and go, I'm in that movie. Did you get to be an extra in the movie? or? Oh, that's a long story. No, I ultimately did not get to be an extra in the film, though my friend Mike did. He's uh, in the Yale chase scene with the Russians. But the thing of it is, that's what led to the whole... Raider.net reporting, which led to the IndieCast, which led to me talking to you tonight, ultimately on the phone, about Indiana Jones movie. So in a weird way, if it wasn't for Crystal Skull, I would still be a fan uh, in my basement <laughs> talking <laughs> to myself about Indiana Jones. Um, you, you know what, Thrasher, what you said about movies, it's hard to recreate the things you saw as a kid. And Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it's ironic that we're talking about this today on May 18th because that's the day it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in 2008, three years ago to the day. When that movie was shown, when the lights came up, the notorious uh, fickle film critics over at the Cannes Film Festival gave this film a standing ovation and applauded Hmm. Spielberg, Hmm. Ford, and Lucas. So everybody here in the States, when you read that on the internet, you're like, this must be a great movie because they got a standing ovation, you know? They don't do that every day. So, <coughs> excuse me, looking back, is Crystal Skull so maligned by a lot of fans and a lot of people speak about it and how much they can't stand it? I try to figure out what happened from that day, three years ago today, to once the film got out there and people saw it. And then the, the backlash started. 
because initial reviews were very well received. I mean, I, I remember the New York Daily News, the uh, Time Magazine, uh, USA Today, Indiana Jones got either four out of five stars or, you know, five stars because people were happy to see Harrison Ford back in the character he helped create. And for, you know, whether we're a terror, he's 60-something years old, he looked pretty decent for a 60-something-year-old guy to be doing this film. And like you said, the opening was one of the best parts of the film, the whole warehouse chase and uh, with the Russians and the whole Doomtown. And then it turns into the uh, the refrigerator thing. And that's where, I think that's where we run into some... Uh, some negativity from fans, which is odd because this is the same group of people that liked a guy who fell out of an airplane with a life raft <laughs> 27 years ago and fell yeah. into the water. And yeah. everyone, everyone took that as okay, which is more outlandish. I don't know if it's more outlandish than an atom bomb explosion, but it's up there. You know, I think a, a reason for a lot of the fan negativity is you come in with expectations of like 20 years of expectations or whatever it was for this movie. Right. And just like people going in to see the, the Star Wars prequel, or just like people yep. going in to see Godfather Part 3, they come in with, I don't know, like, I mean, my dad, I think, had really high expectations for this, and he was disappointed, and he thought it, he, he would have been fine with it, of them just remaking Raiders of the Lost Ark and having Indiana Jones fight the Nazis again. I think that's See, the movie shot... The movie's shot in your dad's head. He already knows what he wants to see. Well, and right. I think you're yeah. right. A lot of folks do that. They go in there like a roller coaster ride. They already imagine what it's like before they even sit down in that seat and put the bar across their lap, how it's going to feel. And Lucas came out before this movie even premiered in Vanity Fair magazine and said fans are going to hate this. Now, whether he did that as a uh, counterattack to, <laughs> you know, to weaken the punch, but he said people are not expecting to see this Indiana Jones. They're expecting to see the one they saw in the 80s. He's not the same character. He's older. They're going to have to deal with that, and I know they're not going to like it. So is it a cop-out at his end to say that, or is he just being realistic because he knows, just dealing with the the prequels, he knows what people are going to say when they go to see this. Like, this is not the movie I want to see. You know, the the whole nuking the fridge moment where Indiana Jones uh, hides inside a refrigerator and this... uh, a nuclear bomb is set off at a test site, and he gets blown through the sky. I, I did a really good job. I kept, kept myself spoiler-free watching this in the theater, yeah. so I knew nothing going into it. And I thought for a second, wow, isn't that ballsy? They're doing a movie called Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and they're going to kill Indiana Jones 20 minutes in. I was really excited. I, I thought, wow, if they do that, that would be ballsy. ballsy. Yeah, you have yeah. His, his big uh, face right really? there in the poster. Really set up a new series with, with Mutt, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shia LaBeouf would love that. You really thought he was going to die, huh? Wow. For, for a split Sweet. second, I sort of suspended my disbelief and was all caught up in seeing an Indiana Jones movie in the theater. And I thought, all right. there, there's no way that's going to happen, but that would have been wild uh, had that been the case. All right, we'll oh, stop right there. Now, okay. now, now uh, all, all you guys know Thrasher hasn't seen it, but you just described to him the escape. Right at that moment, are you turned off as an audience member, or are you still with it? Are you still on the upbeat? I can't. I can. I mean, I can only speak for myself. Um, I would. Um, I would probably be pretty. Uh, I would probably be turned off. Really? Um, well, well. I guess. I guess if you brought up, you know, jumping out of the airplane with with the uh, with the raft, raft. surviving. Yeah. That is, for all intents and purposes, impossible. But in a pulp adventure story, I could buy the hero being so skilled or so lucky that they just that 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 just might be the one time it works. Mm-hmm. But with a refrigerator, a refrigerator <laughs> isn't going to stop radiation. It is. It's a stop- lead line refrigerator, buddy. <laughs> and they make it clear it's on the label of the fridge. Yeah. Wait, 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 well, that opens up another problem. Was anyone ever building lead-lined refrigerators for domestic no, use? They <laughs> no, they weren't. <laughs> Why would you build something made of such a heavy, dense material to put and your freaking like, eggs and milk in? I mean, I can't well, they buy... They a lot of things out of stuff we shouldn't have ever used. I mean, look at how much asbestos is in buildings. Well, not to mention uh, what that. Are what are you talking about? Asbestos <laughs> <laughs> was bad? <laughs> you know, but that's the, but the thing that with, the, yeah. with the fridge... Like, I can't justify Indy getting out of that fridge and being fine just with him being lucky. 
Uh, well, you like, to survive, God yeah. himself would have had to have sent his hand down and protected Andy from the, the blast. And I realized Indy has had enough dealings with with uh, with with Jehovah to yeah. to make him be to, mm. to make him eligible for sainthood. But that's just going a bit too far. It's an atomic maybe, bomb. Maybe gargling with the Holy Grail helped him out more than we thought, huh? Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. I guess he yeah, can have superpowers. But, hey, don't ever watch the TV series Crime Story. Uh, it's a show from the 80s by Michael Mann, who made Miami Vice. The season ender of his show, uh, the gangster and his henchmen are hiding out from the feds in a nuclear test site that they don't realize what it is. They're just sitting around in this house wondering why there's all these dummies sitting around. And then they knock over a chair, and it says property of atomic research. And they're like, uh-huh. oh, my God, we got to get out of here. And they got in their DeSoto and drove as fast as they could. And the show ended with a mushroom cloud. And you was like, oh, that's how the bad guy dies. That's how the series ended. And second season comes on. We find out they escaped the explosion of the atom bomb and outraced it in their car. So maybe maybe they were there when Indy was there. Hold on. You guys keep on going. Okay, so it's okay. not unheard of. For people to escape nuclear bombs with cars or refrigerators, it's this uh... in, in fiction. Good, but it is fiction. I don't. Well, I I know, but there's there's fiction, and then there there's fiction. You know, you sure you can't demit like it's it's great when there's a film yeah. that's so awesome that you get so swept up in your brain does turn off. Oh, I can talk, but you can't yeah. watch a film that demands before you go in that you must turn off your brain that early in the, you know, like the atomic bomb, maybe if it happened yeah. at the end of the film, I would have had such a great ride that I could have gone with it. But having that be one of the first things that happens, it, it, it's, it just makes me question the integrity of the film. Well, I think now we're getting out of context with it. I think you need to see the whole chase scene as a whole. To, yes, I am. For it to, it, it's a good ending to that chase scene. It's that, it's that period it at the end of the sentence. It's, it's yeah, a finality it, it, to the, I'm getting away from the Russians. And the imagery there goes to show what Lucas wanted to tell the audience, that Indiana Jones is no longer in the 30s. He's now in the atomic age. And there's not, yes. you could take that one frame where he's silhouetted as he walks to the top of a ridge, and in the background, the mushroom cloud. So it's a great image to show that Indiana Jones is now in the 50s. Graduated, you know. uh, with mm-hmm. a, uh, True. I mean, from Everest College. Uh, I last April. Oh, I got we're getting insight on Uncle Lucian's resume. Was the only legal assistant in the office, and we. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like the idea of Indy in the atomic age. Is is although that that being said, I kind of would have liked to have seen him in the thick of World War II. Oh yeah, I, I mean, that no, doubt. Awesome. no doubt, no doubt. They definitely so, yeah. yeah, I think everybody comics or novels that could just be awesome if they would put them out. I would totally read you know old pulp style novels about Indiana Jones during World War Two. Or or even if he found a sect of like escaped Nazis down in South America that were trying to revive Hitler, you know Ooh, that would yeah. be kind of. Yeah, no, I've had time to think about this stuff. So I'm like, crazy janitors who are who are cultists and. and <laughs> You know, anything. I mean, it's a wide open palette. And everybody, he could do whatever. And, and then we'll talk about later on about having the MacGuffin turn out to be aliens, how it diminishes the previous Indiana Jones films because it ruins the mystery of the Holy Grail. It ruins the mystery of the Ark of the Covenant when you find out there's uh, extraterrestrials who play a part in civilization's um, development. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean I there can't the be God and aliens legal too. secretary work is is very well. Interesting. I I don't know. I I actually kind of as much as the other films have had supernatural elements. I do work. like the idea that this film would touch on ancient astronauts. I mean, there and there are so many elements of of uh, more recent mythologies that, that do unite the supernatural with with the science fiction, like uh, uh, yes. like you know Theosophy and uh, the the, yeah. book, the Book of Dizan, and, okay. or, the, or is it the Book of Dizan or the Seven Cryptical Books of Hassan? There, there's some spiritual book that, that one of the the, the mid twentieth century occult societies used that that talked a lot about psychic powers and, and the supernatural, but also unified it with aliens and other beings. Yeah, yeah. Is that the theory that the, the second Earth right. that passes by and the, the aliens left us behind, sure. where, like, they're 
their their servant race and they went on they're more superior beings than us is that what you're talking about uh i know one of them has that view but yeah but i mean i i think you can have the supernatural and the alien side by <laughs> side you know e- even in the pulps well here's the thing too a lot of f- folks come down on this movie and it's kind of bizarre because there's nothing you can do about the fact that if you're going to have harrison ford continue to play indiana jones harrison ford has aged physically there's no doubt about it uh over the last 30 40 years so if you're going to have that character in the film everyone's up in arms about like oh i don't want to go see indiana jones in a wheelchair yet we're fine to see sean connery who is older in league of extraordinary gentlemen running around mixing it up punching people out clint eastwood in uh i can't think of the movie right now um when he was the former korean war vet it just came out a couple years ago it was named after a car i can't think of it right now but everyone's fine with them. But for some reason, Harrison Ford has to be 40 years old and look just like he did in um, Patriot Games or Star Wars or The Fugitive. We, we can't let him go old. He has to stay young and vibrant. And I mean, it's if you don't want to reboot the series, if you don't want to recast Indiana Jones, what's wrong with accepting the fact that your hero's older? They did it with the Star Trek series with William Shatner and you know all those guys. You have a problem with seeing an older hero? I actually really like him better as an older. Just I think now he's got more under his belt, so you're like, I wonder what he's seen that makes him go, "Oh, aliens, okay," and yeah. not give it like a freak out yeah. moment. But right. what about the physical physical activity? He's not allowed to swing and drag in her a truck. It's just because he is sixty five years old. I mean, you're fine with a more cerebral mystery type of Indiana Jones if. Uh, if he's not capable of doing all the acrobats he did in the 30s and the 40s? Well, I think the char- you can believe that the character would be capable of it. And you know, nowadays, <laughs> they pay these guys so much anyway, they won't let them do jack for stunts. So you yeah. end up having the stuntman anyway. So if the film is done right, you don't even notice it. You, know, you, you get those you know, cuts in where you see his close-up and you, you realize, hey, oh, hey, it's Harrison. And you can suspend disbelief. But that a lot, it depends on the filmmaker. Not okay, so I'm just going down the list of thi- yeah. I'm just going down the list of things that uh, fans have complained about with this film. The aliens, we're going to talk about, but we talked about the age thing. That was a big problem people had with it. And they're like, "Oh, he's so old." I'm like, well, yeah, he is. What, what, what do you want to do? That's that's the way it is. He's an older guy. You know, just deal with it. And then the Russian thing you just talked about. Why does it have to be the Russians? Well, who was the biggest baddie? Even as a kid, growing up in the 80s, the Russians were our enemies. We had to worry about nuclear war and all that stuff in the early 80s. That was terrifying as a kid growing up. So having the Russians as the bad guys makes sense to me, you know? Oh, no, no. Moving moving to that era, you know, getting, you know... Because even when I was younger, though, I was actually like, oh, man, if they do another one, I hope I get to see Indy go after some commies. Like, I, oh, I, really? They're, they're, I mean, they got a good run out of the Nazis, but I I. I think it's it's only it's only appropriate that as you advance Indiana Jones, he's going to go up against a different roster of villains and and you know communist and communist agents and communist strongmen and such are they're just they're a perfect choice. Yeah. You know, I think actually it's a good idea to to do aliens with the Russians. Uh, you, you always associate the Russians and with strange you know we got the CIA psychic stuff and all the weird. So I think that works. I don't think the aliens would work with Nazis. Sorry, uh, I was just going to say, speaking of the psychic stuff with the uh, character Russian. of Irina uh, Spalko. Spalko, yeah. They show her being a little bit psychic in the bu- in the beginning, but that's something they don't push very hard, I think, throughout the movie, and I almost would have liked to have seen her have more uh, superpowers, as it were. Now, there was some subplots that they threw out. Again, you wonder why they do these things. She was considered basically a witch, Oh. By her henchman there. Yeah, the uh, big guy, Dovchenko, who's uh-huh. the big, you know, muscular guy. In the uh, novelization and some of the early script drafts, they hated her. Her men feared her because she had this whole gypsy witch thing about her. Like, they knew her as someone you didn't want to mess with because Stalin picked her because she had this psychic ability. And basically, they... They, she might have been a colonel, and they all had to respect her for her rank. But they, when her back was turned, they were all looking the other way and, you know, spitting at her. They did not have any respect for the woman at all. They feared her because they thought she was just some kind of voodoo. 
which would have been a great idea for it, because like you said, they touch on it really briefly when she tries to read Indiana Jones's mind that she has some type of uh, witch doctor-esque characters around, or characteristics, but they don't develop that any further, which it, it would have been kind of cool if Indy had a new Mola Rom type of villain yeah. in the form of this psychic uh, villainess. Actually, I thought she was bluffing. I, I actually kind of got the idea that she's messing with Indy, trying to, to get into his head, but not through psychic means, just psychological. Again, that's the character you see on the screen is what they came up with, but there was more to it than uh, than we saw. There was another great character moment. We talked about getting Indy old for a second. I, I, I'm sure you guys have seen Star Trek Two, and I'm trying to remember another film that has an older character. There was a scene where Indiana Jones, they had it with his dad, in the Darabont script that got tossed out where everything Indiana Jones has worked his whole life for all these treasures he's found all this respectability he's gained is now tossed out the window when he's suspected of being a communist sympathizer because he helped you know Russian agents on the US soil recover um, the skeletons in this warehouse so the FBI thinks he's a spy and we're talking about the late 50s where everybody and their brother was thought of as a commie spy so now Indy's lost his job at the university the FBI's watching him he, he has nobody to run to he has no friends everyone's gone uh, he has nothing in his life so there's a moment in the, in the novelization in the uh, shooting script that got thrown out in the final production where he goes to leave his home he goes to pack his bag he reaches into the closet to get some shirts and some pants and some belts, and there's his leather jacket and his fedora, and he reaches for them, but then he stops and hesitates and looks at him and realizes maybe it's time to grow up and leave that behind because what did it get him? It got him nothing but a bunch of empty rooms and you know dust-covered junk. So he leaves the whip and the hat and the, fedora, uh, the leather jacket behind, just packs his normal business professor clothes, and leaves. So when he's on the train about to leave uh, America and head off to uh, teach over in Germany or whatever, he does that pause where he looks around at everything, and, and then they just look into the camera and he gets aboard it. So there's a really great moment where you see that he's actually hung up that lifestyle, that adventuresome lifestyle after all these years because it's, it's given him nothing. And then the next scene we introduce is his son, that he doesn't know it's his son yet, who comes back. And he, we don't know that it's Mary, and, and he, he needs to go save her. He needs to go save his friend, um, Ox. And then he suddenly goes back home, and he puts clothes back on, and then the movie kicks into adventure. As an indie fan, and as you guys have already watched the other three movies, looking for character development, do you think that would be a great moment that should have been left in the script, that should have been played up more? that we saw an old, tired Indiana Jones rejuvenated, and maybe that would have got fans more appreciative of this film or, or just excited about what's happening? more disappointment. I think people would have been really? like, oh, he's given up, you know? And then they'd be like, oh, now he's back, kind of thing. Huh. I, I disagree. Uh, I think that could have been, you know, a really effective scene, even, in, you know, it's something without dialogue, and it's something visually that... Even though you see Indiana Jones in his business suit when he's teaching at the college, you know fans want to see him with the hat and with the whip. And having the moment of pause, I think, might have given a little bit more uh, richness, and it would have been addressing his his age a bit more. Like you're not going to have Indiana Jones on a cane the whole movie, or with a cane right, or something. Right, right. But uh, that's interesting. That was something that at one point was scripted and um, was cut. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a Captain Kirk Star Trek Two moment you sure. know, at the end of the film where he looks out and says, "I feel young again." And I, I, as a fan, I think that would have been a great acting part for Ford, and it would have been, done a little bit more depth to this picture than what we got. I, I do feel one thing about um, Crystal Skull, uh, this film, is you have characters like Oxley, this professor that Indiana Jones, you know, uh, had known very well and worked with before, mm -hmm. and you have the character of Mac. Um, who used to be a former partner of Indiana Jones. And Indiana Jones, the character is familiar with these characters, but the audience isn't. And I think that's sort of a yeah. big disconnect with those characters. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that completely. That's like those movies you get to see, and I always chalk it up to bad writing, when they tell you what the relationship is. Oh, and the, the remember? Yeah, it's like, remember we fought back in Afghanistan and you saved my life in Iraq? It's like, no, we don't know anything. What are you talking about, you know? <laughs> one sentence is supposed to make us understand that 
they're the best of buddies. Yeah, I agree with you that. Like maybe Mac if he would have had a, an opening Doctor. adventure that was a little bit of a flashback with him and Mac, like that might have helped. Yeah. Or I don't know. And I, I, I don't, I don't think a series of prequel comics or something. <laughs> well, what if it had been solid? Wouldn't that have been like a disappointment if it turned out to be solid? That would have been. That'd be a... You think it would be or a dis- short round. You think it would be a disappointment if it turned out to be Sala? I think that'd be kind of interesting because Sala. I I would have liked to have seen Sala again, and I actually wouldn't mind seeing a, a grown up short round. See, a grown up short round is right up a lot of fans' alley. They thought because of the whole you got to remember Chinese communist too. Oh, who's yeah. to say? He didn't return back to Shanghai, and now he thinks he's working on the good side, and he turns out to be working against Indy for whatever reason, hmm. and well, they're both if- trying this object. That would have been a great kind of storyline, because Showround obviously would be younger than Indy. You know, he'd be about Mutt Williams' age, maybe a little older, probably in his 20s. Or, yeah, or, what, no. if, or, or what if, like, he was in the triad, and he was kind of, you know, using <laughs> street smarts there? Or, if you wanted to go nuts, what what if he... What if he came to America, uh, worked on getting a citizenship, joined the Army, and now he was working with, like, U.S. Army intelligence. Short round? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's uh, if you're going to bring back these characters from so long ago, yeah, why not? I mean, I think he'd make an awesome spy. Yeah? I, I do think, um, you know, I, reading over the Frank Darabont script for the City of the Gods, an earlier draft of what became Crystal Skull, the... Uh, they have a character instead of Mac. They have a character called. Um, oh sh- crap! I just read this this morning. I can't remember. Hold on. They have you a Russian. They have they have a Russian oh. character. We're at the beginning. Yuri. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. They have a in the called, beginning. Called Yuri, and at the beginning, he's friends with Indiana Jones. But the way he acts is almost like Yakit, like a Smirnoff. Yakov Smirnoff. Yakov Smirnoff. Where he's like, yeah. I like I yeah. like ketchup and French fries. American women so pretty. Russian women lift weights, ah, ha, ha. Or, it's not that awful. But you have something similar that's a little bit more set up in the beginning. And had they done a little bit more set up with Mac before it turns out he's a d- double or triple agent or quadruple yeah, agent, yeah. it, it might have sold that moment a little bit better. Um, but if it would have been Sala, I think that might have been cool too because, I don't know, it just would have been a return of an old character. And yet... You do have to have new characters in these sequels. They can't all be... But you know what, though? For an audience member, the shock value would become when you find out he is working with the Russians because you would never see it coming. Right. You'd be like, what? Sure. No way! You know? And then, of course, he could come back at the end and save Indy, you know, when he realizes what he's Mm -hmm. done is totally wrong. He was under the impression it was something else. Or they had his hostage or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, They had tried to get... Why didn't they call us? (laughs) They had uh, tried (laughs) to get... They tried to get the actor that played Salah, John Reese davies to uh, cameo. They were going to film him against a green screen and put him in yeah. a cameo in the wedding yeah. at the end. And he said, yeah. absolutely not. You know, if Salah is going to be in the movie, it should be more of a big part and all these things, which I think is fair. And even though Sean Connery didn't agree to do this movie, in a way, I'm kind of glad. Because if you would have had Sean Connery in the film just for five minutes, that you would have wanted him with along for the whole movie. I don't know. Yeah, well, I do agree. Oh, John Hurt's a little wasted in it. He's such a great actor. It's a shame he didn't get to do more acting. Well, the, you mentioned you mentioned John Hurt. All I can imagine is him, Mr. Spielberg. If you expect me <laughs> to be in this film, you should give me something to do. There's a. Well, it, it was. It was just, <laughs> I'm sorry. Is this a glorified cameo? But for the wedding sequence they did, he was actually going to get a medal. Indiana Jones was for saving the world from these. Russians and Sala was going to be at the award ceremony when he gets a medal, but then they change it to a wedding. But it's, and, and it, it's still a green screen, uh, two second blink, you miss him, but he turned it down as well. Mm. So, uh, I don't know. So we haven't talked about Mutt Williams, have we? No. Okay, let's get into that. We're sort of got to not start wrapping things up, but just keep it moving here on this equal cast. The more yeah. I hear people's re- reactions to topics that we bring up, the more I'm glad I, I let this movie pass me by. <laughs> I disagree, Thrasher. You should you should try and give it a shot. I you mean, should go watch it. Yeah, I, I feel Crystal Skull is better than Temple of Doom. Hmm. Definitely. Hmm. Uh, really? Yeah. I, I, huh. I mean, Temple of Doom just seems so out of place in the storyline. <laughs> well, yeah, we talked about that last time. Temple of Doom is... Uh, it, it's the oddest of all the Indiana Jones films because, like you said, it takes him out of the element whatsoever. He's not at the university. He's not on a mission for the government. 
He's not looking for uh, a sacred, re- well, not to westernize sacred relic. It's just a weird adventure. It's like a, it's not a bad, it's a good movie. It's a, it's enjoyable to watch. I like it, but yeah, it definitely doesn't fit in the mold as the other indie films. And if that's a good thing or a bad thing, they, they tried something different. You can give them that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so Shia LaBeouf as uh, Mutt Williams. I think he's better here than in the Transformers movie, or at least the character is a bit more tough, a little bit more interesting. Uh, and he has a leather I don't jacket. Like Shia LaBeouf in anything I see him in. Honestly. Oh no! I think that's. I think he's my biggest problem with the character is I don't. Shia LaBeouf does not look like he'd be the son of Harrison Ford. Just in the face, no. you mean? At all? Yeah. No. Okay. No, not at all. He's just kind of like. Oh. No, it's funny though. The fellow that stars in those Transformers movies with him was it Josh Dumas, or you know, what I'm talking about the big tall guy that's the army fella who's married yeah, to yeah. Uh, Fergie. Right. He looks like somebody who could have been Harrison Ford's son. We were like, <laughs> you, you, you got to go two ways with this thing. We we argue about this endlessly on the uh, indie cast. Would you get a nerdy kid? That's totally like, you know, stamp collector, thick glasses, right. nothing to do with it. And Indiana Jones is like, this is my son. You know, that would be a cool <laughs> way to go with it. Similar to like the Sean Connery character, more of a bookworm uh-huh. type. Oh, I completely agree. I would like to see a lot of Indy's father in Indy's son. Yeah, when that, and then that's what frustrates Indiana Jones even more because it's reminding him so much of his dad. If you're going to say the dad has passed on and not in the film anymore and Marcus Brody's gone too, wouldn't it be great to have this new character remind him of all the, the stuffiness of his dad or like, I'm not going to go do it. What are you, crazy? I'm not going to swing <laughs> on a vine after a monkey. What are you, mad? This is an archaeology. <laughs> what the hell, dad? You know? Like, like but maybe, they don't. They play no, I agree. I think the nerdy thing and... But on the documentary on the DVD and Blu-ray, they talk about in one version of the script they wanted to make him ner- more nerdy, but Lucas yeah. uh, says Lucas wanted him to, you know, be, be a greaser, more of a greaser, and yeah. since the father's passed on to the son. But if you have characters that are more different that clash and they get to argue and they get to develop relationships, it makes them a lot more interesting in movies and in books, whatever media we're talking about here. So I think Shia LaBeouf's okay. There's not much growth for that character. Uh, you know, Mutt Williams, watching it this time, I seem to notice he's kind of an asshole. Yeah. And e- even when it's revealed that he's Indiana Jones' son, right? they don't. They could have used some sort of a moment. Maybe well, like him teaching them how to use the whip, or I don't know. Here's the thing about that. that Shia LaBeouf, and I, I can't stand this about... Hollywood. When they came out with the movie, they promoted it. They all love it. It's the greatest thing since sliced bread. They thank God for being allowed to be in this film. It, go out and see it. You know, steal your grandma's social security check if you have to, cash it, and go buy forty tickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But two years later, Shia LaBeouf himself comes out, admits they let fans down. He was miscast. He was not. He shouldn't have been in the uh, film. He did a terrible job of it, and he let everyone down. And he knows that he was brought into this film for some, uh, you know, marketing reasons. And he just totally just, you know, just crapped all over the Crystal Skull, where, like I said, two years earlier, here he is promoting it and saying how great it is. In fact, I even made a Facebook page which says Shia LaBeouf owes me 10 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) I want my money back because I went to this movie. Now he's telling me I'm nuts to have gone and seen it because he was lying. Well, hey, guess what, buddy? That's my money. I earned it. You got paid. I want my money back. But uh, do you, you know, watch that mo- movie and realize that he was brought in just to bring kids into the seats? Like, my kids knew who he was. They're, they were 8 and 10. I had no idea who Shia LaBeouf was, but they knew him from uh, a movie called Holes yeah, yeah. in some Disney show. Yeah, they, they were like, Dad, that's Shia LaBeouf. I'm like, who? Yeah, I kind of I kind of feel the same way. Stevens. And it's sad because the, the sister in that show on Disney Channel was a much better actress and much prettier, and she doesn't get work and... He's in three Transformers movies now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the one hand, you don't see actors, uh, you know, talk shit about movies they've been in very much, because it's not a very Especially smart Spielberg. thing. Spielberg. Well, yeah, right, Spielberg and Lucas, you know. And yeah. well, on the one hand, why that's sort of frank and kind of refreshing, it's also kind of stupid. I mean, you want to... Bite the you hand never know, you? Yeah, yeah, you never know when you're going to work for this director again, or maybe Spielberg would be you a won't. producer on something else, because, like, you had a thing with Megan Fox... 
who was in Transformers yeah. 1 and 2 talking a lot of shit about Michael Bay, and he's good at explosions and not much else. You know, regardless of whether that's true or not, she's not in Transformers 3. Is that a coincidence? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, you know? Oh, dang. I'm actually kind of She got out. out. <laughs> yeah, they, maybe they, she they asked her to get out. out. You, you don't come out and call the director a Nazi, yeah. you know? <laughs> you called Michael Bay a Nazi and said, oh, he acts like a Nazi on the set. I'm like, that's not going to go. That's not Indiana work, Jones you know? 5, Indiana Jones meets Michael Bay. Uh, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> well, no, we were all laughing about Shia LaBeouf. It'll be like, Shia La who? What happened to him? Oh, he f- got killed in an avalanche off screen. Uh, we, we found a new kid. He's going to college. This is your real son. <laughs> no, no, Shia LaBeouf had a son. So oh, now he's oh, a yeah, grandson. Grandkid. Who's like, who's like about the short round age. He's just uh, the perfect age to be a precocious kid. <laughs> maybe, maybe he could be Asian too. Maybe we, he could be like, you know, maybe Mutt hooks up with some Japanese girl when you know, he's stationed over there uh, for Korea or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the problem you're going to have with Mutt's character is he's a high school dropout. He drops out of all these prep schools, he tells Indy. Yeah. And then you could say, well, how's he ever going to be an archaeologist and take over for his dad? But then you look back at Indiana Jones's character on the Young Indy Show, which we'll talk next time. He's a dropout. He's a runaway. Mm-hmm. He went to World War One. He never completed high school. He never, you know, got proper education. So in a way, the Mutt character is mirroring the dad step by step. He's going to do the same things he has. He's going to, you know, go on these adventures and learn the world that way. And... uh you know, if they do sequels, maybe it comes back around. But they even refer back to the young Indiana Jones show. Do you know that one line they drop about Pancho Villa? Yeah, Pancho Villa. The... That's from the pilot. Yeah, so, well, we could sell DVDs now. <laughs> we just tied the whole thing together. Oh, cool. I kind, I kind of like that line. I thought that was a neat throw yeah. out to a, a TV series that at the time wasn't, you know, wasn't so popular. No, no, no. In fact, I think that, yeah, the young Indiana Jones DVDs came out just when... Crystal Skull came out just around the same time. Again, marketing. But, uh, well, we talked about Shia LaBeouf. Folks either love him or hate him or as yeah. an actor. What about Marion Ravenwood? You didn't mention there is a returning character. Oh, it's Indy's love from, from Raiders of the Lost Ark. What did you think about her appearance? I, I, I think she's she's great. Um, you know, it's really uh, refreshing to see an older Hollywood actress that doesn't hasn't had a lot of plastic surgery or Botox injections. Yeah. You can see the yeah. wrinkles on her face, and she she's comfortable in in her own skin. And uh, yep. that scene when she comes on and uh, Indiana Jones is just waiting, and you see how much yeah. Harrison Ford is smiling. He's like he almost yeah. he's almost about to dance and with glee or something. It's such like a neat moment. These two characters have really nice repartee. Uh, Another one of my favorite scenes in this movie is uh, when Indiana Jones and uh, Marion are in quicksand or sinking sand. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sinky sand. They are tossed. It's a dry sand pit. It's a dry sand pit. They're tossed yep. a snake to use as a rope to yeah. get out. And Indiana Jones won't hold it because it's a snake. And the scene looks like it was filmed for $5. It looks really cheap, <laughs> unlike a lot of the other, uh, unlike the rest of the film. But it just has this yeah. charm between Indiana Jones and Marion in that scene and. I don't know. I'm really glad well, was, she came back. I, uh, I was thought, laughing out loud. I, I thought that scene was actually pretty funny. I have two issues there. One, as long as we're talking about impossible things like using a fridge to, to ride out a nuclear explosion, can you use a snake as a rope? If it's anchored <laughs> to something. You held the sure you can. You would really have to <laughs> be crushing that snake. Because last time I felt a snake... Those scales, as long as you're, if you're going with the scales, it's pretty smooth. If you're going against the scales, the snake's going to be real angry. And second, I think that should have been another opportunity for Indy and and Mutt to bond, which is have them both turn out to not like snakes. I mean, would you prefer yeah. what happened in the Frank Darabont script, where a giant snake swallows Indiana Jones and he cuts his way out of it? I, I would have liked to have seen that, but a giant <laughs> snake might have been a bit much. I mean, if we're going to talk deleted, deleted scenes, I could tell yeah. you about the chase that happens uh, through the Yale football stadium here in New Haven. Uh, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones is being chased onto the Yale Bowl. So is that when he's the on fo- the motorcycle with Mutt? Yes. Okay. Yep. Because ca- I was there at the casting. They casted, uh, they cast, whatever. They had football players and cheerleaders, and they were all going to be part of Marshall College's football team. So they were all on the field training or practicing. And here comes Indiana Jones on the back of Mutt's motorcycle going across the uh, the football field and being chased by one of the uh, communists, the commie bad guys. Indy intercepts the football. It's passed. He grabs it in midair, 
turns around on the motorcycle still and throws <laughs> it and hits one of the Russians right in the head uh. as he's driving the car. And the car goes out of control and crashes into the stands. And then Indy and, and uh, Mutt get away. That's kind of far-fetched. I'm kind of yeah. glad they cut that one out because that looks a little Three Stooges if you ask me. It's like, <laughs> really? You're going to throw a football at him and hit him in the head? Come on. And I bet there would have been a shot of the audience cheering too. Yeah, yeah, it would have been one of those. But no, the, the snake, okay, here's one. Forget the snake. Okay. Indy's there. They get the crystal skull. Um, they have this big chase through the jungle. What about the monkeys and swinging on the vine? What did you think about that? Because that's another thorn in folks' side. Mutt Williams starts swinging on vines in the big uh, chase scene. I, that was probably the what the, the one thing I liked least about the movie. I really, it was way too out there. Yeah, I saw that in the theater. I kind of, there wasn't people in the theater laughing. I sort of, My jaw dropped. I'm like, what the hell is happening here? I, I don't, but, but still, you know, it, it's only 30 seconds worth of mutts swinging through the vines with the monkeys. It's not an epic scene. Like, I don't know. Had there been a scene of like mutt talking to the monkeys and the monkeys talking back and him understanding something, I would have been a yeah. lot more upset. It's... See, I thought I saw that monkey when he looks at the monkey in the face and it looks at him as yeah. almost like a, a wink and a nod to the monkey from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, was, you know, yeah. mom, I, I caught that. Like, oh, maybe they're trying to remember, like, don't you remember Marion was being chased and the monkey gave her away and here's the monkey saving her son. Well, maybe I'm reading too much into it. I don't know. I, I, I think monkeys. it's okay. I mean, you know, a lot of fans deal, like, with Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal, Crystal Skull. Like, it's the worst movie ever made. But I dare you to compare that movie against uh, Transformers 2, Revenge of the Fallen. Or, or The Mummy 3? Yeah, or The Mummy 3, or uh, League, of Extraordin- League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, for that matter. I don't know. Right. I think it's better than a lot of other summer stuff that's come out. They kept an old-fashioned feel to the movie. But uh, yeah. with this movie, there's an elephant in the room, or should I say an alien in the room that we haven't talked about. Okay. Mr. What Snuffleupagus. We- yeah, Mr. Snuffleupagus. <laughs> Size Snoodles. No, no, no. It's uh, the climax of this movie. You have, they're not aliens. I guess they're an interdimensional beings. Interdimensional beings. Oh, because that's better. Uh, Things get very muddled at the end of this movie, to say the least. I think we just go with aliens because they're not native. Well, no, (laughs) interdimensional beings means that they're angels, but in a Lovecraftian sense. They're from the space between spaces. The space between spaces, yeah. I knew you could say that. Then they're they're creatures out of Lovecraft, then. BJ, what did you think when you saw this part in the theater? Uh, I actually, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I, especially the, the whole ending sequence, I think, was a lot of fun. It kind of reminds you of, of Temple of Doom when he's running through the, you know, running through this gauntlet of crazy stuff. I, I think for me, you know, it, it does build a sense of mystery in that scene that, um, what is it, all the skeletons have a skull except for one, is that it? Yeah, that's the, it's the one. It's yeah, the there, there's one 13 of them. Yeah, and yeah, he and, has and a 13. The, right, and he puts it, or she puts it on, and then it reunites him, and they all have a, a, a hive mind. They all start thinking and working again, and, and she wants to know everything there is to know, and they give it to her, and her brain explodes. She can't take it. I mean, that that part reminds me a bit of the end of... Uh, they have a, a trend of villains exploding in the Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> yeah. Or melting. Yeah, or melting, sure. She uh, kind of did both. Yeah, and I don't know, that part just sort of fell a little bit flat, especially when you see a UFO come out of the ruins. And, uh, right. Oh, I go... love that part, especially oh, yeah? it was the classic 1950s UFO Oh, style. no, that's true. The silver yeah. saucer, and oh, it was brilliant. I understood what they were referencing to. I guess part of my opinions on this movie, talking about it now, are colored from reading that uh, Frank Darabont City of the God script, because I feel the way it deals with the climax in there is you have Indiana Jones chased by Russians and Nazis and uh, I'm probably missing something, like a bunch of different bad guys, and basically the head bad guys and Indiana Jones are sort of taken in front of these different crystal skulls, and they're given the choice of having one wish come true, and you see the Nazis have a vision of a, you know, Nazis coming back goose-stepping, and he sees Hitler's face, and I don't know, it seemed to be a more dramatically effective ending in that script. Than what you got. Than what we got, yeah, in this movie. Well, you know what? This is the first movie, and I think this is what lets some fans down, where Indiana Jones did not directly save the world. Mm. He kind of ran away. He didn't do anything. That's true. I mean, 
I mean, the arc, you know, even though he's tied up at the end, he gets it and brings it back home. The Chris, the Shankara stone, he brings it back to the village. The Holy Grail, he tries to get it, but he saves his dad, and you know, ultimately there. But this one, he's taken out of the loop. I mean, she takes the skull from him, and stuff starts to happen, and he gets out of there. I always thought it would be great if she takes the skull, and now that she has this unlimited access to these alien beings, she has this unlimited knowledge that she can rule the world or whatever. And Indy pulls out his revolver and shoots at the skull and shatters it, and thereby saving the whole world, and then runs away. Then you're like, oh, look, see, he saved us once again. Thank God for Indiana Jones, you know. But instead, he just turns tail and gets the hell out of there. Or maybe he'd have... I think he saves the family as opposed to saving the world, because that's his new, that's his new world, you know. He's, suddenly, he's got a family to worry about. And you do have a point the there, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. We did bring that up uh, because folks said that he didn't get the prize at the end. And then I did a whole rant on the uh, IndyCast where I said, wait a minute. He actually did hmm. finally get something after all these adventure films that we've watched where he walks away empty-handed. He got just what you said. He got a new life. He got a whole new view of things where he was a tired old man with nothing to show for. And his dad was dead and he was living alone in a house full of dusty relics. Now he's got a, a wife, a, a son, and at the end he walks out the door. It's a very Jimmy Stewart throwback to, a, I don't know, Frank Capra, happy ending. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it really is. People don't get that. I always thought that when, at the end when they walk out through the church and the door swings open and the wind blows and his fedora falls on the ground, it's almost like Sean Connery's ghost comes in the room and you know, mm. gives it the everything's okay, junior type of bit. And then he picks up the hat from Mutt, and they walk off smiling. That's the first time I think you've ever seen Indiana Jones walk off into the sunset, or a brand new day, actually, not a sunset, but smiling on it. You know, it's like, hey, look, this is a whole new world I'm about, a whole new adventure. Maybe that, maybe that's what it was, and a lot of folks just don't see it. They wanted a uh, a whiz bang ending. See, it was definitely a happy ending for me when Shia LaBeouf didn't pick up the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Snatched it right out of his hands there. I, I huh? think I would have. I think I would have thrown something at the screen if he had put it on. And, uh, well, here, here's something too. Do you think audiences? And I'm going to ask you guys because you're a lot younger than me. Okay. Um, are just too cynical nowadays? Because a lot of times, even with the Star Wars prequels, I've mentioned this on the IndieCast last week. I said it's fans that complain about it's not the movies they saw when they were kids. Yeah, I have two young boys and they watch these films and they're fine with it. I said I, I hate to tell you. But I think the 20 years of uh, reality in the real world has aged your view on things, and you've lost some of that innocence, and you're bringing your own baggage to these movies, and that's why you can't see them anymore as a as an 11 or 10 year old kid can, because you're you're, you're like Never Neverland with Peter Pan. You've grown up, and you can't go back, and that's just the way it is. And I think a lot of folks have a hard time dealing with that, and they go, "Oh no, it's not me. It's the movie that's crap." Uh, what do you think? I think there's a there's a lot there's a lot in what you're saying. It's 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 it's, it's like I said. I I've grown up, but I don't feel like these movies have, and 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 I and I'm absolutely sure that when I do see the Crystal Skull, the fact that I'm not a kid anymore is going to color my experience. But I also think that it should. I mean, there are certain things that like you need that that you need to be at the right age for you know and and then certain things that you need to come back to at, at the right age there there are bands that i listened to in high school that were great but part of the reason they were great is because i was in high school and going through a lot of things that those bands addressed those bands did not age with me or mature with me so i don't listen to them anymore and that's no fault of the band they found a niche right. that works and perhaps it is that way with with this film, and yet at the at the same time, I I don't want to see movies I've already seen before getting hashed and rehashed. I I would rather I, I don't know I would I would rather see one good movie in a summer than see a Crystal Skull, a Transformers, and something else that wasn't that good. Um, I think your point, Mitch, is is excellent. You know, it's not. Even though, yes, people watch movies in the right opinion, in a way you're not just watching a movie, you're bringing all your the baggage, as you put it, all your life experience. All, yep. what, like, you know, let's say you were dumped by your girlfriend and you walked in to see Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. 
you might have a different mood or outlook on it that particular time to see it than when you watch it uh, after having a few beers with your friends. You know. Yeah. It, and um, that's really the thing with sequels is you have that first time with that first movie, ser- movie in a series that you see, and you can never quite recapture that magic of the first time. And um, part of the Internet's great, but a big purpose of it is for people to complain. <laughs> and no, that's not a purpose. That's just its most common use. <laughs> well, and that you have things like message boards, which it, I enjoy reading yeah. those things. But, yeah. um, you know, just because it, a lot of it is my opinion's right. If you disagree with me, you're stupid. How could you think that? Which is kind of a childish view on, on things. But, you know, people ever. No, it's not. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you misinterpret my words? If you looked at what I actually posted, you would. No, I, I, I kid. I kid. I think a lot of it comes down to vocal minority. You hear a lot more people complain about things they don't like in movies than the people who are actually satisfied seeing the movie. Well, you got to admit, this film made 760 something odd million dollars worldwide that year. Sure. It was second behind. Uh, was it uh, the Dark Knight? I can't remember. Yeah, Dark Knight. Was it, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, give me a break. That made a billion dollars. If this movie was horrendous, look at Scream Four. That just opened a couple weeks ago. Barely made eighteen million dollars the sure. opening weekend. No See, one liked that one. That I was the fourth film. Stop going by um, money grosses. I'd like to know because if if you've been to the movies lately, if ticket prices have gone up so high. You know, of course, they're going to make you know millions of dollars. Oh, I'd yeah. like to see yeah. actual. I'd like to see ticket sale numbers. Yeah. Oh yeah, ticket sold is an interesting, you know, is an interesting stati- statistic. Actually, the uh, I I I hate I'd hate to debunk that, but that uh, that filmmaking book that uh, that George Lucas uh, did yeah. that journalist a few years ago, uh, they act they actually debunked that ticket prices have stayed pretty even with inflation. Uh, we yeah. are paying about as much now. As as we used to, the only difference, as you know, we did when the cinemas first began. The only real difference is today you'll get kicked out of the theater. In the past, you could you could pay admission for one movie and stay in the ha- movie house all day. No one really cared. I've done the that only thing that really skews the numbers <laughs> is D ticket prices. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. People say that too. I'll give you the 3D ticket prices are a little steeper than the normal price. So when I see an Avatar, I kind of raise an eyebrow, going, "Wait a minute." At the IMAX theater, it was seventeen dollars a ticket, as opposed to the regular ten dollar ticket. So that's a little iffy to me when they do the three D pricing. But no, you're absolutely right. Inflation. I mean, a comic book today costs two dollars and ninety nine cents. Where when I yeah. was a kid, they were thirty cents. So obviously, a ticket was a dollar fifty in the seventies. Now it's you know seven bucks. It's all gone proportionate. So you can't say, oh wait a second now. But there's less people going to the movies. I think that's a big fact. I mean, most folks. <laughs> the movie is just a big commercial for the DVD or the download nowadays. It's a yes. say, but yeah, people are like, "Oh, I'm not going to go see Thor. I'll just wait for three months and download it on iTunes." Like, oh, okay. I have to say, if you don't see Thor in the theaters, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. It's worth a, a matinee. Uh, yes, yeah. I will come out in support of Thor. I saw it in the films. I I saw yeah. it in the theater. I had a really good time. I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, also. Same here. Feel free to stay through the credits, but only stay through the credits if you are well versed in, Mar- in in the history of the Marvel universe. If you in the Cosmic cool, Cube, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I thought Thor yeah. was a lot of fun too, but uh, we need yeah. to close things out on Indiana Jones and uh, Kingdom of the Kingdom. Crystal Skull, one of the most uh, long titles in recent memory, <laughs> other than Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Uh, that's another mouthful. <laughs> so, Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. At the time when I saw it in the theater, I was a bit... At one hand, I was excited to see Indiana Jones in the theater. I was a bit disappointed because I think I brought too much, too high expectations. But watching it again now, a, a second or third time, I enjoy it a lot more now. And um, I think it's a lot of fun. It ha- does it have problems? Sure. But I would still recommend it. If you like Indiana Jones, I think you're going to find things to like about uh, Crystal Skull, where you'll enjoy watching it. Uh, PJ? I think I agree with you, Uncle Mokshake, that it's all about, you got you go in there, don't expect exactly what you had when you were a kid, because it's not. You just go in there and see a, a movie, and watch the movie and enjoy it. 
for what it is, a wild, crazy adventure with commies. Instead <laughs> uh, of nuts. Thrasher, you haven't seen uh, Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Are you more tempted to see it after our discussion of the film? Actually, I am. Uh, I, uh, I I am much more willing to see it now. Um, I, I can only hope that, that my current feelings don't get in the way of the experience. I'm going to try to see it with as, with as much of an open mind as possible. But having heard what you all have said, I uh, I I think it, it, it will be worth it, if only to inform my feelings about the movie. If I can say one other thing, look, looking at the poster for this movie... Uh, one, uh, I think this is, well, actually three things. First, I think this is the only poster that actually shows what Indy is questing for right on the poster. Two, Harrison Ford looks really, really tired. Uh, and three, the expression on Shia LaBeouf's face, his expression says, wait, wait, I'm in this movie? Yeah. Like, it's such a weird poster. It doesn't, I, it doesn't grab me like the other ones. Well, it was done by the same guy, but... Yeah, Drew Struzan, a great, uh, fantastic yep. poster. Oh, he, he does some phenomenal stuff, but this one I just don't feel quite hits the mark. Uh, I don't know if it's because he was working under a particular constraint or, or what, but it it doesn't it just doesn't grab me the way the other ones yeah. do. Sequel cast listeners, here's a tip. If you find yourself hating movies lately, go into every movie with low expectations, and you'll be somewhat pleased. <laughs> you'll, enjoy, you'll enjoy yourself a little bit more. Uh, Mitchell... Mitch, uh, final thoughts on Crystal Skull. Well, even though they didn't have the good sense to cast me as an extra in the background, I'm yeah. going to have to give uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull a thumbs up, only because it proved to me that you could bring Indiana Jones back to the big screen in an adventure and made me want to see more of them in an Indiana Jones 5 and possibly 6, hoping this would kickstart a new trilogy. So that alone... Uh, was a great start to me. I, I was hoping to see Indy 5 by now. It's been three years. Right. I'm really hoping they do an Indiana Jones 5 before it's uh, too late for Harrison Ford. But uh, yeah. on that note, thanks for uh, coming again on the sequel cast, Mitch. We have one more yeah. episode in store next week of Indiana Jones. We'll be looking at some of the spinoffs, including the TV show, Young Indiana Jones uh, Chronicles, and uh, be talking a little bit about the video games, which we touched on in the Raiders of the Lost Ark episode. So... Uh, and I reveal the mystery of the Diana Jones Award. Whatever that is, yes. Okay. I, I was going to say, you got me on that one. Wow. All right. Wait till you find out. Wait till next week. All right. Good night, fellas. Bye. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. The sequel cast airs Wednesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific time on Cascadia.fm online internet streaming radio you can also download episodes of the sequel cast from www.sequelcast.com